Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute, presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. We're joined by the one and only Scott Mutrin. You know him, Learfield IMG BC Radio Network on the sidelines every game with BC and a former Boston College quarterback. It's nice enough to join us once again after a tough, tough loss for Boston College, 28-14 to to Louisville. Uh, BC now start off 4-0. 0-3 in the last three, 0-3 in the ACC, now 4-3 overall, heading into a critical game against Syracuse. Before we get to all of that and we welcome Scott, first let me just mention, if you're a BC football fan, you got to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up get more details. You have pregame tailgates, home and away. I'm sure they're going to do a big thing at Syracuse like they always do. So it's just a great organization if you're a BC football fan. Once again, that's bcfootballgridiron.com. Okay, now we welcome Scott Mutrin. Hey, Scott, you know, let's get right to it. 28-14, I wish we were talking on better terms here. Another L for the Eagles, tough one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, frustrating loss. I think BC expected to go in to Louisville and at least be able to put some points on the board after two games are really not not doing that against the Louisville offense that was giving up 450 yards rushing and you know 28 points plus per game. So uh, frustrating for for the Eagles to say the least on offense, and compound that with they get four turnovers on defense and weren't able to con- convert any of those into points. It's uh, it's definitely frustrating. I always like to get the QB perspective from you, as I always say. Dennis Corsell, 17 32, 141, one TD, two picks. Uh, just you know, just to recap his performance, do you see progression here, or is it status quo? H- how are we evaluating Grossell now in seven games? Well, not for him, but the team now halfway through the year. Yeah, I think you know for Dennis right now, it's just its lack of uh, being able to make plays when when it's on the line. I think the two things, the two glaring things that have stood out to me. Um, is BC's inability to convert on third down. They were thir- three for 14 this past weekend after, uh, I think, being 33 and 34% versus NC State and Clemson and, uh, and then missing the, the big plays when they, when they pop up. Dave Flowers open again on a, on a big post route that could have been a big play, and, and he's missed. And, uh, and then you can even add the third one into it, which is turnovers, and in the last three games, uh, you know, BC is minus seven, I believe, even with being plus four. But you had uh, three, you know, BC's defense is able to get four turnovers, but BC had three turnovers, then, you know, you're plus one then, and then you're minus five. So going in, going into that, you're still only, you're still minus four in the last three games. And that's just, for a team struggling to find things on offense, turning the ball over and not capitalizing on plays are big glaring uh, weaknesses right now. And then you look at the Russia game, Pat Garwell, 15 carries, 86 yards. Alex Singfield, uh, you know, nine carries, 53 yards. Not the greatest numbers, but not terrible either. Just outside of passing, how do you evaluate the offensive unit? 
Well, I mean, if you break down the yards per carry, Garwo and uh, Sinkfield are did pretty well. Yeah, over five, uh, five point seven. Yeah. yeah, so they're able to run the ball, and uh, they just weren't able to maintain any sustained success. One, and then the big play is just missing in the BC offense. I think that's something that you'd like to see whether a run's broken for instead of a long game, maybe a long touchdown or a big pass play where you can score quickly. They've just been lacking in that department in the last couple of weeks. And it's college football. It's tough to go 70, 80 yards, you know, every time you get the ball and, and have to drive the field. It's different if you get a couple of big plays mixed in there, but perhaps to drive it that far, it leads to a lot of opportunities for penalties, turnovers and other things. So, I think you're seeing the weight of that kind of uh, weighing on BC right now. And then let's switch gears. How would you evaluate the defensive unit for the Eagles? Allowing 28 points, it was 21-7 at the half. I guess if you're a taker, if you're a BC defense coordinator, what do you kind of how do you leave in this game? What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, they gave up about 300 yards rushing, so that's that's tough. Um, it's tough to win giving up that amount. Uh, versus Louisville, that I was worried going into the game about being able to contain Malik Cunningham because he's a really dynamic guy. He's not Lamar Jackson, but his ability to run with the football is, is special, and he was able to kind of dictate some terms to BC, and they just weren't really able to contain him much of the game besides turning him over a couple times, which uh, which helped. They got two interceptions from him, and he only had two on the year going into the game. So. Um, they did a good job containing him in the passing game. I think he only threw for 117 yards, so the passing game was kind of neutralized, but their ability to run the ball and, and, and rip off some big chunks running the ball uh, was really the story of the game for them on, on defense. But, they, you know, they did. You went into the game asking for turnovers, and the fact they got four turnovers, it's, I'd say that would be the good part, and, and the yards given up on the ground would be the bad part, so you kind of wash that off as, as a neutral and you know to to say that if you get four turnovers you don't you only score seven points off those four turnovers you're not going to win a lot of football games so now big picture scott mutrin four and three bc starting off four and all loses three straight now i want to get your take put your players cap on scott if you're the say a senior captain in this team trying to salvage the year we're at a critical fork of the road now what are you telling your teammates forget about coaches just like a players only meeting type thing what, what are you trying to do to kind of rally the troops here and not lose the whole season? Yeah, you need to you need to write the ship and you need something to happen positively because it just seems that, you know, that which can go wrong has been and, and probably holds some accountability. I would say you, you, when you stand in that room, you gotta you got to speak and take ownership. If you're the guy that's not playing up to snuff, you got to own it up to your teammates and tell them that you're going to, you're going to be better. That I'm going to help. You know, I'm going to help us to get better. I'm going to help us through this. I'm not quitting. I'm not laying down. There's still five games left, which is you know almost half of the season. So there's no need to be draconian about this whole thing. It's there's still plenty of football left to be played. They can still have a very successful season. Everyone's just got to raise their their game a little bit more. And whether it's you know in the weight room or working in practice or watching film, it's everyone can get better at this point. And, and do something to help the team to, to win the game. And it can be a block, it can be a special teams play, it can be a catch. Um, 
It can be a lot of different things. BC just needs that one spark to kind of get them going in the right direction. And uh, when that happens, just like, um, you know, negative emotions and losing is contagious, so are positive emotions. Get some, some positives going. You can you can change the course of the season and, and, and really start to build on that. And it can be frustrating, um, you know, <clears throat> being on that, that end. Uh, I remember my senior year, we were 3-0. and and we, and then we ended up losing, I think, six games in a row after that, and that's tough because you're searching for answers. You're looking for, you're looking for what do I need to do to prepare to get better? Why, why do we seem to be getting bad breaks? A lot of things are going against them, and you really just need to look within yourself and just make make the corrections that are needed needed to be made, and wipe the slate clean, and not let the past of what happened in the prior games dictate. What's going to happen going forward? Can't change, you know, these first seven games, but you can make a difference in these last five. And to, to go back and let those three games that you've lost in a row now to dwell on them and be a negative factor doesn't help you win the last five. So you really got to be able to to find something uh, within yourself, pick pick it up, uh, whatever it may be, and, and identify it and, and stay positive, stay a positive leader. It's easy to lead. In times when things are good, anybody can be a leader when things are going well. True test of leadership is being able to to get through the tough times, keep everybody together, keep everybody on the same path positively, and work towards it. Work on your process and continue to improve. And if you do that, and you're a leader in, in down times, then it helps validate you that much more when times are, are going well. But it really takes a lot to be able to stay that mentally strong and positive in these times. Um, but you'll find where true leadership lies, and you'll you'll hear probably a story if they win this week about who really stepped up, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how they come out against Syracuse. And, it, you know, it's well said, Scott. And a little bit of, you know, breaking news today, Tuesday, is when we're recording this. Jeff Halfley said he's kind of made a decision about QB play, and we don't, but he's not going to let us know until Saturday, day of the game. Uh, probably for competitive reasons, but that that questions then uh, is Grossell going to remain, or are we going to look at another player uh, like an Emmett Moorhead? So I, what I did, I did some research. I talked to a, a senior level pro scout, Ari Rostowski, and I wanted to get some thoughts on Moorhead. This is what he had to say for the uh, pros on him: nice touch on the ball, good balance, strong arm, and he's good on the run outside the pocket. However, some cons I he saw was zones in on one receiver. Never looks anyone off and needs to develop more of a short game. So there's that's a true freshman, Emmett Moorhead. I guess for my question for you, Scott, is do you have any thoughts about like where Halfley goes with Grossell or goes with a true freshman? How do you think this plays out last couple of weeks? Well, I think it's interesting because as we mentioned earlier, you know Dennis is well liked and respected in that locker room. He's a tremendous leader and a tremendous teammate. Um, so to make a move you have to be pretty positive because he's got the hearts and ears of a lot of those guys in the locker room. Um, So you have to have your thumb on the pulse of the team right now to figure out, uh, are we making a move for the right reasons? Are we making it for, if we're making a move, are we making it for the right reasons? Or are we being emotional based on the last couple games? Um, You look at the, the cold facts and you say, well, we've missed some opportunities that we've had. And it's not one game. It's been three games now, so a body of work. Um, turn the ball over. 
uh, eight times in three games. Um, all, whether the fault of the QB or not, I mean, some of the interceptions are through guys' hands, and, you know, you'd like to say it's not their fault, but they still go, it still goes in the books as a uh, interception. So, I think, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think you got to look at it and, and say what's going to give us the best, the best opportunity to win right now. <clears throat> and uh, when you, you look at the talent of, of Moorhead and based on that scouting report, um, to me, that just says to me that's, that's every young quarterback <laughs> coming into college football. Uh, you tell me a quarterback that can work through progressions and is consistent on some of the shorter stuff, and I'll I'll tell you, you got pretty much a unicorn. <laughs> uh, not, many, not many of those guys exist. You can see it in college football today. Today, I mean, Caleb Williams for Oklahoma is is an absolute stud, and I watched some of his game, and he's a guy that was hanging out routes and trying to hit deep shots the whole game. That's that's what freshmen do. That's what they've done in high school. That's what they know. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I think from what I've seen of of Emmett Morad is he's a he's a big kid. He's a strong arm. Um, I've seen him throw it consistently enough, but I've seen flashes of him. You've seen some of the other guys play, but you know, in the way in which things are broken down rep wise, a lot of the younger guys, Maynard and um, Revy, didn't get a ton of reps uh, in the summer and in the spring. So they're pretty much on an even field with Moorhead right now going into it. So if uh, Halfley looks at it and goes, uh, you know, they're all experience-wise all about the same. I want to go with the guy that's going to give me the best chance to win. And that still may be Dennis. Um, You know, he may, he knows his team better than any of us do. And he's, he definitely has an idea in his head of what's going to be the best option for the team at this point. So he's got to make that decision. There's a reason why, you know, he, he gets paid the big bucks for it. Is sometimes you have to do what's unpopular because it's for the best interest of the team. So I don't know, if, you know, what the decision is right now. Um, you do expect keeping the competitive advantage on top of that. Uh, but uh, I'm interested to see the decision he makes and what he does um, going forward. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. So we'll be tuning in Saturday. Like we said, we don't really know. It's, it's going to be a kind of a game-time decision. Um, okay, just to wrap things up here, Scott, Syracuse, always a tough place to play. I was kind of surprised researching this week. BC's won three straight in Syracuse at the Dome. So, uh, But uh, Cuse does have the overall season, uh, se- the series, the career series, excuse me, so, but I just like to get your thoughts on the Syracuse team and what you remember from playing Big East days back at the the old uh, Carrier Dome. Well, first off, to just go back on what you're saying is that it's not necessarily the, the decision has been made. It's the the team knows what the decision is, so it's not necessarily game time. 
uh, for them. Yes, yes. The starter's going to get the majority of the reps. It's not going to be, uh, you know, kind of a half-whim sort of thing. So Coach Halfley knows when they're going to prepare the starter all this week to, to see who's going to play. Yes. Um, yep. Now, for me, for Syracuse, I have awful memories of the place. It's one of it's the least favorite place uh, I've ever played at. I don't like the Carrier Dome. I, it's nothing against Syracuse. I, I just don't like the the dome, the atmosphere, the lighting, everything about it. I, you know, you've heard if anyone's listened to the broadcast over the last ten years. I I call the Carrier Dome the concrete sarcophagus because there's just that which can go wrong in Syracuse usually does. Uh, <laughs> so it's my least favorite place to play. I don't really care for it in any way, shape, or form. There's nothing really redeeming about any part of that place. Um, the most enjoyable thing I have is dinosaur barbecue the night before the game but from the moment I get there until the moment I leave I can't wait to leave so I I mean it's uh I felt that way as a player um I felt that way in 10 years of doing broadcast it's just it's I I just don't like it uh and I'm not very subtle in my my dislike for it um because it's just it's just not a good place to play and it's been uh you know, I know it's a lame term, but for lack of a better term, a house of horrors for Boston College. Uh, the times we played there, there's so many games that they have lost in the past when I was playing, before I was playing, um, that had a ton of Murphy's Law, that any, anything that could go wrong has been wrong there. Although they won their last three, which is great. Uh, hopefully that, that streak will continue. Nothing would make me happier, but... My whole goal for Syracuse is to get in as late as possible and to leave as early as possible. <laughs> so it's not up there with Clemson for you as road trips. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I would say for as much as I love Clemson is as much as I loathe Syracuse. That's funny. That's funny. And, you know, we can never forget it. Eagle fans, too. It was in Chestnut Hill, but 2004, chance to go to the Fiesta Bowl, wing the Big East, and Diamond Ferry in Syracuse came and beat Boston yeah, College. Yeah. I mean, so just... I mean, the list is long and luxurious. Uh, you know, having played against, uh, you know, Donovan McNabb in, in 98, we had some breaks go against us in that game as well. Um, yours truly did not have a particular great game. We've, we, it's just, yeah, just, it's just every time Syracuse comes down in the past, weird things happen. And now you're talking about Halloween weekend. So you're adding in that mojo as well. It's just a, it's a litany of bad and weird things that, that could happen out there. So let's, my goal is let's get in, let's get out, let's get a W, and let's get on our way back home. There you go. Let's go. Finish on a positive note. And I, I want to talk to you next week, Scott, after a big W. Let's get BC to 5-3. and three. How's that sound? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, Louisville was a nice town. It was a nice trip. It was a busy week. But uh, you know, some good spots in Louisville to go. And, uh, well, uh, that was a good trip, minus the scoreboard. But, uh, yeah, hopefully – Hopefully the dinosaur barbecue is very good, and and then you get a W two, so you get two positives. What's your dinosaur barbecue order? What are you gonna get? Some buffalo wings? What do you? What's your go to? Yeah, I mean you're in that area, and that's all. It tends to be a great buffalo wing area, but I, I tend to usually go. I'm a combo guy because I don't like to. I like the little taste of everything, so I'll probably do some sort of whether I'll do ribs or pulled pork and some chicken. Uh, I like I like to mix it up so I get a little taste of everything. So I don't like to limit myself to one thing when I get in those situations. But uh, 
Yeah, that's always usually a good take. It's always uh, a good spot to hit while we're out there. Glad it's not snowing and, and gray and gloomy, although it probably will be. Uh, it won't snow, but it'll probably be gray and gloomy. But uh, usually, uh, you know, I'll, I'll mix it up pretty nicely there, and the food's spectacular. There you go. All right. Hey, Scott Mutrin joins us. Always a fun time talking to you. You know him. You'll hear him on the BC IMG Learfield radio broadcast. Scott, thank you so much for joining us once again. My pleasure, Mike. Uh, I'm sure I really um, uh, esteem myself in the eyes of many Syracuse fans and my thoughts of their of that area. <laughs> well, let's see what happens. They, they, they got to get a W. That's the, that's the most important part for the BC Eagles. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.